Welcome to Stories from Home, Living the Just Transition, a podcast series by the Climate Justice Alliance that takes us behind the scenes in local communities building sustainable and equitable climate justice solutions in their own backyards. Climate Justice Alliance is a growing member alliance of 70 urban and rural frontline communities, organizations, and supporting networks in the climate justice movement. In Stories from Home, Living the Just Transition, we'll hear from the organizations, creators, and communities spotlighted in Story Snapshots, a new CJA project that draws from local arts, creativity, and culture to express the vision, heart, and day-to-day work of communities building just transitions across the Alliance. I'm Keenan Rhodes with CJA and the Kepper Institute in Indianapolis, and I'll be your host. This episode, I speak with community organizer Shania Morris and filmmaker Joshua Mallory about soil generation, a Philly-based grassroots black and brown-led coalition of community growers. They share about the story snapshot they recently produced, a video that tells the heart of their community. Our conversation started with Shania and I reminiscing about the last time we saw each other in person, a CJA orientation in D.C. at the end of 2019. First, I want to say thank you to you both for joining me this morning for this conversation. First, tell me who you are and just what you do. Hey, uh, my name's Shania. Uh, Most people just call me Naya. I think it's really interesting to try to think about what it is that I do. And I say that with like air quotations around it because I do a multitude of things. But more importantly, I... I am a community person and I root a lot of who I am in the community that is around me that um, help to hold me and to support me to become a better member of community because that's where a lot of my space and path has been committed to, to see this world differently than what is presented in front of us and to not think in a singular or individualized way, but to recognize that how you show up affects all of those around you. It's so strange to say, oh, I'm a revolutionary or I'm a radical, right? I kind of just exist in this Black body as a Black, queer, non-binary, trans person, trying to find my, my way to freedom and liberation alongside my folks. Because I just honestly believe that we are in a lot of spiritual warfare with those who we share this planet with. And I think the only way that we can combat what is happening is to be more radically honest with ourselves and more radically honest with our relationships. So yeah, that's I've been changing up a lot of the ways in which I participate in conversations about what are you seeing in your future? Because that path is ever-changing as the needs of community will change. And I would like to just be there for that in the long run. I think, Shania, the first time I met you, you were doing a workshop or an exercise. And I think you were talking about militarization. But I know it was out west in the Bay Area. I know you in context of your involvement in the community. First, how, where did that like strong inclination for community building come from? And then how did your own journey as a community organizer lead you to join Soil Gen? My journey um, 
in doing a lot of community organizing started with uh, Philadelphia Student Union when I was like like about 12 um, in 2010. Uh, my brother was a very huge influence for me becoming a part of that space. I think it was something very powerful about young people, right? Saying that I'm a part of this school, I'm a part of the school institution but I'm not listened to inside of the school institution. Where's my voice? Hear me now. You know, it's a, it was a lot of that energy and a lot of that drive that had led me to continue to keep organizing after, you know, transitioning out of PSU. It is a majority high school, young people organization. And, you know, eventually you age out of these things. And after working, like, jobs and kind of being like, hey, I kind of, like, literally spent my entire high school career talking about why I don't even like things like this. Why, why, like, what these systems are constantly doing to us and how it drains your creativity having to go in and work for people that don't really care for you. Which then, in turn, I ended up working at Philadelphia Student Union as an adult which then changed a little bit more of my perspective with like, yo, there's actually a lot more that we can do with and for young people. Um, And I wanted to constantly provide space for them to be them full and whole selves um, and to not act as an authority figure who apparently knows more, right? And I think in a sense with a lot of my drive or in a lot of the work that I've done, talking about policing has been very, very consistent from when I was a young person till now. So I've always wanted to keep moving in this realm of how do we all collectively care for one another so we're not constantly um, attacking each other with thoughts that are making people fit into a box that some people really just do not fit into. And I think that journey up until where you're talking about, Keenan being inside of, it was in Oakland. I think we were at Cesar Chavez. And I was uh, participating in the anti-militarization workshop and kind of helping people draw lines of how how the systems of militarization exist in more ways than one. And then it like it was like continuing and deepening that work. It was like, wow, the land is policed like the like our food is policed, like like the police as a concept is more than just the the authority figures that are walking around in blue with batons harassing and harming black and brown people inside of their communities, that it also exists in how it is they withhold things from us like food, like water. So I think that how I got into soil generation was that I was in Detroit for this Black to Just Transition conference. It was the first one that came from the Black Caucus that was birthed under CJA and It Takes Roots. It was a lot of like different folks, like different Black people that were like, hey, we actually, like we need a little bit more decision-making power because anti-Blackness in general can still be perpetuated from people who are not actively working on their anti-Blackness. So being in Detroit and like being able to talk about these things, I got to get in contact with. Um, I met uh, Trina, who I found out I didn't know was in Philly. Um, And then we kind of got to like hit it off with talking and speaking about like our politics a little bit more together. I'm building a relationship based on that. 
Just so you know, Shania is talking about Katrina Baxter, organizer at Soil Generation and CJA board member. And then I met the rest of the SG crew, and I've kind of just been around since, like, as a space that allows for me to connect with the land and understand and develop my own understanding of what agroecology is and what it looks like and what that looks like in practice and what does um it's allowed me time to think about how how do these meanings change with the times i'm very about the fact that things are often changing i hope that answered your question absolutely did and for those that are going to listen to this podcast episode and don't know what soil generation is can you explain what it is and what Soil Generation does in the community. We are a collective of black and brown farmers and community members fighting for food justice and land sovereignty inside of the city of Philadelphia. Um, I want to honor the fact that I am one of the newest members of SG. Soil Generation, like we were very, very, very hard on the building relationships as as the form of organizing that we do. Because the only way that you can be, again, as I talk about a lot, being radically honest with one another is to have deeper, more involved and caring relationships with one another so that accountability does not feel as hard to hold people to because our, our idea is to be in community um, with one another to constantly grow together, right? I think that in a nutshell, most of what is being done is constantly building relationships with more black and brown people and going back to and catering to the land. We're in connection with multiple farms. There are multiple farmers who folks are engaged with, whether they're directly a part of SG or kind of just in the network. I think that, again, I want to honor the fact that things have been ever-changing, but SG has done like a lot of work right now. There is a urban ag strategic plan that um, we've partnered. The, the city has come to ask SG as the experts of uh, what's going on in community to talk about what would an urban ag strategic plan look like and how do we get more community involvement in that. So that's something that's happening. Meeting two had, went out and it, we had to do it online due to the pandemic. And now we have... You know, I think that part has just closed out. Joshua, you can let me know um, if I'm right about that. Um, but yeah, I feel like um, like most of the time we're trying to be inside spaces where maybe Black people's voices aren't always heard or we as Black people don't try to be as intentional and honest about how we're feeling. So we disrupt white spaces with radical Black honesty about the fact that as much as you want to think that these systems are going to do something for people, they're not. Um, there is not much that you can keep saying or doing if you're not redistributing the wealth um, and constantly taking and extracting information from Black and Brown people, more specific, especially like Black people, and not compensating them for their work and their labor, even though that is what's needed to survive. And I think it's very powerful the way in which we're able to show up in spaces and say just that and be just that without having to constantly treat, as, as I would like to say, like the existence of Black people as a political playground at all points in times. It's like, so I stop playing with my life. I would like to just be able to live and thrive. And we're also trying to, I feel like, ground ourselves more in that. We're more than just 
the information that we can give to people on how to be less racist or how to decolonize themselves, right? Like we are more than that. Um, we're more than having to tell people, yeah, money really doesn't do anything for our communities um, unless they're backed with resources and support that will allow us to live and thrive in peace. So yeah, I hope that I did a pretty good job for SG of like how I feel about the space, how I felt being in here and what it what it's like to be in space with other radical Black people that makes you go in that community and outside of that community to continue to build with radical Black folks um, that share a politic that is rooted in our freedom. Absolutely. And I feel like that was a, a very thorough explanation of what Soil Gen is and what Soil Gen does. And speaking of relationships, I do want to loop in uh, Joshua. He was the videographer for this story snapshot. And Josh, how did you get connected with Soil Gen and become responsible with co-producing this video story snapshot? Uh, my name is Joshua, Joshua Mallory. <laughs> I'm a filmmaker, a freelancer, a media consultant slash creator, founder of Noise Soul Cinema. How did you get into like your current career path as far as like filmmaking and videography? Gotcha. So I, I got into filmmaking and videography by attending Penn State. And I kind of on a whim after going for architecture and transferring into filmmaking, just feeling more connected to that style of creativity. To be honest, it seemed like a good bet. I could be creative, I could deal with the arts, and I would be in touch with this fast-moving technological world. So I just, I jumped in at Penn State, and uh, and here I am. Let me chime, chime in at any time, Shania, if I, if I misremember something of our, of our meeting, because that, that was kind of like, I just kind of got absorbed into soil generation. That's the best way of describing it. And uh, the, the Snapshot Story Project was the, the entrance for me into soil generation, uh, and the community of urban gardeners that they've introduced me to. So with the snapshot, that was uh, back in 2019. It feels, no, 2020. 2020, I think we began that in March or April. And through that summer, we, we would meet, Shania and I, and we would, you know, try to find um, the, the through line with the, the wild scheduling of uh, COVID, you know, in that it was literally COVID height, the height of COVID. And we were making sure that we were shooting outside and being very careful. So we were always wearing masks. And that was something that we um, we overcame because we got some great footage. And the, the project has evolved from being about initially the farm brigade and um, you know, highlighting the young farmers that were, you know, basically apprenticing we really created something of a of a connection piece for soil generation to like the really core farms that soil generation is uh, working with so again Shania, let me know if i'm misremembering some details but that's that was my introduction in the soil generation the story snapshot i look forward to more projects of soil generation i feel like the the purpose and point of this project was to just highlight how soil generation does their work. Like to just be like, hey, this is how we do our on the ground organizing. Um, this is this is how we do 
uh, agro this is how we practice agroecology and agriculture together this is this is what sg does and kind of i think the original concept was to just be that like hey check out how we how we be moving the community because there's nothing more to it it's not a concept it's just being and again like showing up for your people the black folks in your community seeing black people congregate and laugh and be joyous with one another, I think were the images at some point that we were trying to capture and then have people mm-hmm. talk about it. Like what, what brought you into agroecology? What, like kind of what keeps you here? Um, why, why is this important? Um, and I think to now what, um, what Joshua is saying that um, in, in terms of me being like kind of a portion and help of kind of creatively directing this and what what ideas I was like coming up with was to kind of like it came at the rightish time like during um again the pandemic when there were a lot of people like kind of re-congregating like around the land uh like during the pandemic there were uprisings due to several deaths and several incidents of police brutality that ended the lives of black people and people were you know you know taking things out of markets and you know i'm saying like kind of standing up against the system they did like a lot of that and then we were like we're like oh snap people need food um that was already something people needed during the pandemic but then it was like it got double time because like people were losing a little bit of access to immediate resources but yeah we we did that and then it just ended up creating like its own like rhythm to pop up and be able to like record farmers in their in time, real time, tending to the land, grabbing like, I mean, setting things up for markets, kind of tending to like soil. It was, it kind of lined up to be able to show people like really doing this, digging their hand, getting their hands in the dirt. Ha ha ha. Right. Um, and I think that it was it was it was a beautiful thing to see. Um, it was just a lot. It was a lot of different folks who do. It just kind of felt like consistent. It was a lot of consistent folks and people that I feel like we still kind of have relationship with. I I kind of still have relationship with some of those people now. But yeah, I think that again, as I keep and it might be a common theme for me in this uh, in this conversation is that. The ever moving and ever changing is something that I think is so very valuable about the way that this project was able to move and shift and change because the way in which community was engaging with one another was moving and shifting and changing. It was like we were getting closer and closer because it was like, wow, things might really hit the fan right now and we need each other. Wanted to ask about, because you all, I think you both mentioned, you know, part of the challenges that you face in producing this in the middle of a global pandemic. So talk about some of the particular challenges related to actually producing this content. What were some of those successes and those challenges of producing this kind of content in the middle of a global pandemic? Yeah, I think being basically forced by the natural disaster of the virus being forced to shoot outside. I think that was good. It was good that we were able to be outside because the daylight was, uh, even on overcast days, all natural light. Everyone would be outside and be well lit and I didn't have to light anybody. So that was quietly one a, a nice thing for me. 
Definitely maintaining distance too. Being outside uh, makes it, that was a challenge. Even like just cordial greetings, you know, just trying not to overstep any boundaries with anyone or understep. I don't know, you know, this is something that I feel, I feel like we all had to do, figure out new boundaries with proximity and, and bubbles and something to keep in mind, just like maintaining distance. And Shania, do you want to speak to the same question? Yeah, um, I'm thinking of like, it's, in terms of like what Joshua was saying, I think it's funny how some of the challenges did end up being a little bit beneficial. I think it was really cool to be able to like now have multiple voiceovers from different people in SG over like a a beautiful array, might I say. Thank you so much, Joshua. A beautiful array of videos capturing like nature functioning and co in us as human beings coexisting within that habitat. I think that that was really, really awesome to be able to like see because most oftentimes I feel like we see ourselves dominating over the earth and not necessarily being in sync with it. I think the, the pandemic allowed for a certain kind of slowness and patience for us to take with ourselves that I think like farmers and growers have like kind of like thrive through and not to, I don't want to create some stronger than thou, like, you know, story because like people are ultimately human, but I want to give them so much like honor and grace for them, letting the land lead them to, to that patience and solitude. I think that that's uh, something that was a benefit. I think the only thing essentially that would create challenges is just uh, for a moment of having a state of shock of feeling like you can't be around people. To know that you need to be around people to produce this, it was both a gift and a curse to have to examine, re-examine trust, to, to be around other folks. You know what I'm saying? I think that for me, ultimately, was really the most challenging thing. Um, obviously, time and scheduling is, is, is a challenge pandemic or not, right? We're all organizers and nobody really does anything on time. But that's fine because we understand, again, like patience, slowness, and we're we're trying to be here for one another and not necessarily for product and production. So yeah, I think it was really just about like, are you trying to be around? Are you not? How can we link in a timely manner to make sure that we can grab this content? And I think because people were like so busy, it was difficult to kind of get people somewhere to grab some interviews or to just talk to them about what growing food and agroecology means. Also kind of having to change up a little bit of like what we're asking and how or like how we're getting, like seeing how we can get people to answer these questions um, that's like relatable to the times, but can also honor work that has been done. I think those were just a little, just a few of my challenges, but I think ultimately it ended up being really, really great taking time to be able to like work with Joshua, like afterwards and looking at the footage and listening into like what folks are saying. Um, that's really important that we want to pull out to put inside of the, the entire video. I think it was a really fun, creative process. Um, and I actually happened to feel like there were more, there were more benefits for me than there were challenges because 
I'll, I'll say like personally as a person, if there's like a challenge in front of me, I try my best to navigate no matter how frustrated I can get with having to do things because I'm only human. I rise to the challenge and it's done now. Woo! Well, first, uh, congratulations on completing it. And second, I'm like really looking forward to being able to watch it and just being able to get to enjoy it and also like getting an insight into uh, what what's going on in Philadelphia at the local and community level and the work that y'all doing. So I'm very excited to be able to get to look at it. I wanted to ask as well, with this content now, you know, you got the story of Soilogen, a story of a Philly community that's coming together to be able to give and teach one another tools and skills that will help each other learn to a, be able to grow your own food, but B, really the bigger picture, be able to have a sense of like community control over your resources and have a sense of autonomy so the community can decide its own fate. Because an empowered community, you know, can decide its own fate. To me, that right there, even in being able to showcase that, shows the power of not just the work that y'all do, but even being able to tell the story um, and the power in the story itself. So I wanted to ask you both, uh, why is storytelling important to both of you and to your community? And um, what is the power that this particular story holds for you all? Not everybody has had the opportunity to have this conversation with me with how I, in a lot of like practices, right, for lack of better words, that I like kind of try to engage with myself and participate in. Um, Storytelling is one that's like the most important because, disclaimer, yes, I think books are important, but there's always been something very ancestral about being able to tell somebody a story um, verbatim. You know what I'm saying? To be, it, it reminds me of how stories used to travel in the life that we never got to know before. I think storytelling allows, again, like I said, for conversation to come to fruition, um, for ideas to also be challenged like within the stories, for people to be able to take what it is that they need for the role that they're containing onto and to directly be advised by the person who is telling the story. It's very important for us as Black people, Black and Brown people, to tell our own stories because a lot of the times our stories have been told for us. And most of the stories that have been told for us are lies or they water down and take away like like the feeling that was probably there in that moment with the story. Again, for very clear relatable examples and content for this point in time. It's just whenever there's something going on with uh, police violence, nine times out of 10, people are blaming the people who are on the end of the violence and not the people that are at the, that are using their hands for the violence. You know what I'm saying? And to have watched that and to see that again during the pandemic, again during these uprisings that Let's think about it, people. This literally only happened a year ago that people were in the streets, which felt like fighting like the police. You know what I'm saying? I I think that that's, again, another example as to why stories being told like from, from our mouths is very, very important. Because if you let the media tell it, 
they won't tell the full story. To have people be able to tell their story of how they got to where they are in agroecology, what that means to them, and why they want to keep having more of these conversations with other people and tell their story to other people to hopefully inspire them to look deeper into their story and where they can end up in their next chapter. I think that's that's a wrap. Storytelling, it's the it's the original data transfer. It's how we, we pass down information. I think that is why storytelling is important. At the heart of everything we do, there's a story. I think humans in, inherently, we just look for things that, that make sense because it helps us to, to feel. I mean, even someone who's telling a, a phony story, they have you for that moment. Even if you don't believe them, you're listening to the story and you're kind of just letting it wash over you, you know, like a, of a certain part of you that is is an emotional part. You know, you, you're put running it through an antenna or like a, a filter in your mind. So I think stories are a way for us to, to process things, to learn to protect ourselves. Some of my favorite um, lessons are in, in stories, like simple stories, and, and then the retelling of those lessons. In doing the story and creating this specific story, what did you learn about the community in which this story was told? And what did you learn about yourself through the process? Uh, I learned in making the story snapshot, I learned that the Philly urban gardening and farming community is is pretty strong and it is sprinkled about but it it is it is pretty strong it's it's like a, a net and it's good to see that that folks are despite the the separation of the the pandemic folks are still able to connect folks are more connected than they think i just remember showing up to one one of the urban farms and um not many, not many folks had shown up, but the folks that had shown up to to work that day were were really just like familial and just like they were communicating, they were listening to one another in in a way that I think in a typical office environment would never be achieved. You know, working with the the earth is a you're using a lot of a lot more of your antenna. You know, your your human sixth sense, so to speak. You know, if you're really trying to work the land and make it make it so each plant has a shot, you know, and it's thought out. And uh, not only that, you're working together with folks. So I just I just saw that folks communicating really well and, and able to, with just a few folks, just like get through stuff and allow me to shoot video without, you know, me feeling like I was, you know, imposing. And um, I'm always really kind of like a fly on the wall anyway, but I felt like, I felt welcome welcome enough to point cameras in folks' faces. And, and I saw that folks show up. And Shania, I know, and I believe you, you're from Philadelphia, right? Yay, yeah, yay. Yeah. Representing. So being from this neighborhood that you also, like, being, well, excuse me, being from the city and knowing that, like, you know, these are your, your folks, your people, was there anything in the creation of this story snapshot that you learned that was something that was new, that surprised you um, about the community that you live in. Yeah, I think more than anything, uh, with in a good way, I was like overwhelmed to see how many people actively farm, garden, how many people take interest in farming and gardening, and 
to see three people who were a part of, you know, Soil Generation's Farm Brigade, like the the influence that it kind of had to seeing people now continuing to farm and garden. I was in awe at how how committed people became to the land. I recognized the power at some point because I'm like, wow, people are like, yeah, this is what I'm going to do for a living now. Like, this is what I want to invest my time in. Um, And I think that for those that don't know Philly, it's like Philly's just a very resilient city, even though I know we're dealing with a lot of gentrification and all of that. I just feel like the people that are here and Black people that come here have like some 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 level of committed to like changing their ways um at some point they don't do it all the time but i think that it was like kind of really cool to see in real time kind of seeing people grow with the farming season it was kind of like interesting it's like wow like you're growing as these things are growing for us to go rest and to be able to come come back up again i think that it was a lot of meta. I'm very metaphorical, as you can see. I talk through poetry, but it. I think that that's a lot of what I was learning. I learned about myself that I I'm engaging myself in a contract to be committed to the land, uh, whether it is engaging with like food or just engaging to committing to its protection. It was just a lot of what came like out and through this journey, and it's still continuing. Thank you both. Thank you both. I just want to ask a couple more questions. The first one being, you know, we all work in the CJA space and this term just transition uh, is used a lot as like a kind of an umbrella term to talk about overall the mission and the direction which we're heading in and rebuilding our relationships with each other, with the way in which we use resources and also our own relationship with the environment. So how does this project in your lens embody the ideas of Just Transition? I think how you can see through this video, Just Transition, is because you're seeing like the transition happening in real time. And I also think that like specifically with SG, it's like, it's it's for me, like being a part of this space, I, I see it as both Just Transition and also Just Returning, like these, I think that it's important to notice that a lot of these um, movements for, like, a lot of the movements for, like, land, sovereignty, food justice are, like, things that aren't new. I think that we've just found different ways to reframe how we want to talk about it to, to quote-unquote, the masses, you know? I think that point is that, like, I think that movements themselves just have to change with the times. And this is something that has always existed. And I think that the the project itself is like kind of proof of that to see people like, like, I just think that again, like the reaction of having less access and autonomy over what nourishes you and people are like, well, I'm just going to go back to the land. I think I see that as like a pattern that has kind of happened through movements, like thinking about when slavery ended, people were like, oh, yeah, wait, we need some seeds to be able to grow our own food because we don't we don't have any of the things that these people who have held massive violent power over us for this amount of time have. So how how do I get back to myself? And I think that that's always the thing. It's like, oh, yeah, I need to know how to nourish myself. 
And I think that that we in like inside of SG people do a really good job of reminding people of that, that this is this movement has always been in you. It just takes time to stop and be patient and present with yourself and your body to maybe like look and realize that within you and your community that those around you are the folks who have the things that you need. It doesn't have to exist outside of those entities, outside of the community with the person that knows how to bake the bread, the person that knows how to grow the tomatoes, the person that knows how to make the milk to make cheese for us to have sandwiches at the end of the day. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's always been community. How, and it's like, yeah, I just always think of how are we, how are we transitioning and changing how we talk about what's always been in us and not like people are giving us something that we we never knew, you know what I'm saying? We have always known. It's always here. Uh, the land is always here, and it always will have the answers. And that was such a beautiful response. If you like what you hear, please share this episode. Donate at climatejusticealliance.org and sign up for our newsletter for updates. Also, let us know what you think of the podcast. You can find all our contact information, including social media, at climatejusticealliance.org. Story Snapshots is a project by the Climate Justice Alliance. From local to international, from prairies to mountains to island shores, from youth to elders, we work together toward a shared vision for the future. Stories from Home, Living the Just Transition is produced by Jessica Zhao, Keenan Rhodes, Olivia Burlingame, and Samantha Harvey. Our sound editing team includes Elijah Pogues, Jennifer Wager, and Callie Wright. The music is One Fine Day by The Insider and Stuff Will Never Love You Back by Dr. Turtle.